Your past may be a useful collection of all of your experience and expertise, but it should never define you, confine you, and it should never, ever undermine you. So how can you work with your past to have a great future? Well, we're about to tell you. So, welcome to the show. Five, four, three, two, one, liftoff. Two women, one mission to break through the BS of business, money, and mindset so you can live the life you desire and deserve sooner. Join Colleen Longdon and Ray Brent as they keep breaking through the BS. Buckle up and hold on to your aura. Enjoy the ride. G'day listeners, this is Pauline Longdon and Ray Brent and welcome back to Breaking Breaking Through the the BS. BS. Hey Pauline. Hey Ray. What's going on? Ah, well, something really exciting happened this week, Pauline. What would that have been, Ray? I don't know, someone that we know quite personally... um, celebrated her 50th birthday on Monday. Wow, that's a huge age to get to. That's amazing. It is. Congratulations. <laughs> Happy Thank birthday. Thank you. Do I sound older? You do. Your voice is a lot deeper. It must be that experience. Yes, and it's maturity. the voice of experience. In, in, in. <laughs> anyway, Ray, so welcome back to the show. Thank you for being my co-host yet again. And uh, thank you for your service. <laughs> You're welcome. Today uh, we're going on with a topic that we raised last week, which was about the past. Because remember last week we spoke about how to debrief, how to talk about the past without actually like having to live there. And I said that you don't want to live in the past, which I agree with but you don't want to avoid the past at all costs. You no, need to go back there and... It's always good to go back and uh, revisit and yeah. check it out and see, nice... ha- see how far you've come. Yeah, it's a nice place to visit. You wouldn't want to live there. That's fine because it's it's called the past for a reason. But today I wanted to talk about something that extends on that whole theme, and that is the whole fact that your past does not define you. But not only should it not define you, it shouldn't confine you or undermine you either. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about how you can actually climb out of the ashes of your past to rise up, you know, with vim and vigor. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) No, not the vim and vigor. All right. Um, Sorry, in joke. Yeah, well, let's make it into an out joke. So uh, let the listeners know what's happening. Years ago, we hired a high-level marketing team to write some copy for our um, spiritual business. Our spiritual business. And the headline um, basically said how to have more vim and vigor in your life. It's like, well, what the hell is vim and vigor? You know, it's such an, you know, we were going back to the 20s. I think the 20s called and wanted their headline back. But um, so, yeah, that that's what actually got me into copywriting was because the copywriter couldn't write for us. And I thought I can't do any worse than that. So, um, and you certainly proved them wrong. Yeah, that's right. And so vim and vigor is kind of like a little bit of a catchphrase for us. It's like, well, you know, let's have some more vim and vigor in your life. Uh, the other thing we're going to talk about uh, on today's show is about the transferable skills that we have and how we can carry them forward. And transfer them. <laughs> and transfer them into our life because basically everything that we've done up to here matters. Exactly, because if it didn't matter, we wouldn't have gone through all that crap in the past exactly. to get us to where we are now. Yeah, but the I think the biggest thing here is to be able to see the silver lining instead of the 
Lead lining. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Pauline. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm a copywriter. All yes, right. you are. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into uh, the whole idea of that your past doesn't define you, because really your past don't don't diss on your past because it's an older version of yourself. You were doing what you could with what you knew at the time. Yeah, you're doing the best with what you had. Yeah, at the time. And it's easy to look back with 2020 vision. Although I can look forward and have 2020 vision for next year. Absolutely. <laughs> but normally we don't, right? My no. 2020 vision is always backwards. As you look through the retrospectoscope, you know, you fire up that little bugger and you're just like... Oh, I have clarity back. now. Yeah, oh, look well, what I should have done. Shoulda, coulda, didn't. didn't. So, um, but what we tend to do is when we look back on our past, we tend to cherry pick the situations or the experiences that stand out. And that's not really fair. Because a couple of shows ago, I think it was episode nine. That's a long time ago, Paul. Is it? Really? All right. So, That's so last year. <laughs> oh, so last year. So 2018. Well, we were talking about the whole, uh, the big rocks, the sand and the pebbles, you know, like that beaker that the... Um, chemistry teacher. The chemistry teacher said, you know, can you fit all this into a beaker? And then the student said yes, no, and all the rest. And so they put the big rocks in first, but then you couldn't put other stuff in. And, and so if you do it in the right sequence, you can have all of the sand, the uh, big rocks, and also the pebbles in there. And you can even – there's always room for beer as well because beer is a, a fluid and you can, you can yeah, pour that in. Yeah, it wouldn't taste too good. No, It'd be a not, bit gritty. I'm going to drink it. But it's a metaphor for then life. Then there's, then always, again. <laughs> there's always room for fun. There's some beers that do taste gritty. Yeah, that's right. So we were going to extend on that today because – when we look back at our past, we see these great big huge boulders that we think define us. You know, like if I look back into my past, you know, as being a nurse, well, that's a big rock. Also being an, an army officer, well, that's a big rock as well. But are they the big rocks that I need to focus on or to build or use my, as a foundation for me moving forward? Maybe they're not the big rocks that I need to be looking at. And actually maybe with time, then they wear down to be little pebbles because they lose their significance, because that that doesn't define me. Just because I was a nurse, am I still a nurse now? No. Yeah, they kind of um, wear down, lose their importance Mm -hmm. um, as you move forward. So when you know where you're going and where you're headed, you can look back at those rocks and go, actually, which one of these rocks in this um, group that I have is actually yeah. going to be important for me to move forward and help me to move forward successfully. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So the thing about the big rocks as well, you know um, how they say that objects in the rearview mirror may appear larger than they are? Yes. What if they're not big rocks, but you're concentrating on them, treating them like they were big incidences or big things that define you, and they really aren't worthy of that? Like I've got friends that have been to jail. I've got friends that have had like really horrible diseases or horrible life experiences happen to them. And for some people, and this this is where the choice and um, your mindset comes into it, some people have chosen that these incidences were just a part of life and so they've gotten on with it. Like, you know, they've, they've done the crime, they've done the time and now they're um, living really great productive lives and, you know, for the guys that went to jail and... Well, I don't even judge. So with the the our friends in the military and ourselves mm-hmm. that have 
lost friends through through war mm-hmm. and also through depression on the coming back through the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, more of our friends have committed suicide back in Australia than what they then people died. Then at people war. died at war exactly. for the Australian um, military it's during kind of, that time. Well, that's all. Uh, most of the militaries, um, the Americans, are the same. It's kind of like the the curse of the modern soldier that more of us are dying outside of the war zone than um, in it. within it. So, yeah, but you're right because it that it's whatever incidence it is, you've got two choices, you know, like the red pill, blue, blue pill, pill, whatever. Usually I just take both and get an altered reality. You have a purple pill. <laughs> I have a purple pill, you know. As long as it's not a suppository, I'm very happy because they aren't nice. But <laughs> I guess you don't get the taste of them. No, no, not at all. So sometimes suppositories are better, but uh, not for the person giving them, let's say. Just from experience, I know that. <laughs> but anyway, so getting back to these um, these big incidences, you have a choice, don't you, whether you're going to play the victim or you're going to just get over it and yeah. move on. Uh, and we call that responding or reacting to a situation. Yeah, yeah. And you've got a choice. And I know sometimes it feels very disempowering when, when bad things happen. And this is the value of time. And this is why it, it is good to go back and visit the past every now and then. Just walk back into your old neighbourhood in your mind and go, oh, right, that wasn't quite what I thought it was. Or actually that is so insignific- insignificant now that what am I even thinking about it for? Why is this holding me hostage in my current everyday life? Exactly. So we do che- tend to cherry pick our past and a lot of people let that then define them. I mean, we do it in the positive way too, you know, like a um, a high a high school athlete. You know, I've I've heard people say, "Man, high school was the best years of my life." And these people are in their thirties, forties, fifties, and I just go, "Are you serious? High school was the best years of your life? Like you haven't done anything that tops high school since you left high school? How is that even possible?" I think if you, I don't know what if you won a beer drinking competition, that'd have to be better than freaking high school. But then again, I'm I'm a bit, you know, jaded. I didn't like high school one single bit. I couldn't wait to get out of there. In fact, um, yeah, it's just yucky. But uh, that's the curse of being different and being a square peg, um, trying to get into round holes. Alrighty, so. Um, yeah, we get to choose what big rocks we concentrate on. And as I said, over time, those big rocks can become the sand and the pebbles that are in your beaker of life. Um, the big thing about the, the big rocks is they can either weigh you down or you can actually build your foundations of your future upon those. Yeah, and then you can climb up on top of them. And then you can see much further. Exactly. So use them. So one thing that Ray and myself have actually done very well is that we have climbed out of the ashes of our past. And we have had some significant ashes, haven't we? We I mean, we we pretty much crashed and burned out of the army. I mean, we were incinerated. (laughs) Incinerated and decimated and (laughs) scattered to all four corners of the globe. But um, yeah, so we are speaking from experience that. Although everything looks desolate and charred, one of the good things about, and this is a great metaphor for what we're talking about, is in the Australian bush, 
when there is a devastating bushfire, or forest fire as the Americans would say, when you have a devastating bushfire, it actually, the fire germinates the seeds. The Australian bush is really weird. It's, it's um, you know, it doesn't always have water, but it definitely most times has fire. So it's actually, nature has done this amazing thing that instead of needing water and other things to germinate the, the seeds, it takes fire. Or as Americans would say, fire. 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 <laughs> anyway, so um, that is a really powerful metaphor for me in my life that when there has been that charred moon-like landscape where there's just nothing seems to be alive, miraculously within maybe a week there will be a green leaf a slith- shooting slither out. of green yeah and then within a couple of weeks there will be new shoots all throughout the bush and it is magical to see so when i see that kind of thing in nature nature actually makes me think about the way we show up as humans i mean i was out yesterday taking some macro photography and i was taking some pictures of a, a flower called a psyllium and a psyllium is like a collection on on every head of, of this psyllium flower, there are multiple other flowers. And I'm thinking, nature never goes, you know what, there's so many flowers here already flowering. I don't think I'm going to flower because what's the point? No, every freaking flower on that flower head just shows up and it doesn't restrict itself. And, you know, it might, you know, if that was a human, it'd go, oh, yeah, well, last year when I flowered, I was just surrounded by all the other flowers and no one really saw me, so what's the point? No, this year that flower goes, yeah, I was there last year and I'm going to be here this year and you will see me next year. Yeah, bring it. Nature never shows up half-assed, but humans do. And most of the times that we do that is because of some sort of trauma or hurt in the past that makes us wary. So that's why we need to revisit our past and have a look but determine and be courageous enough to pick yourself up dust off those ashes from the past and stand there and go is that all you got (laughs) yeah got anything like hotter (laughs) but anyway but when you when you are stripped bare and I definitely know about this because I was stripped bare when I had depression um one of our mentors um, used to say, what was it, the feather? Brick and truck. Yeah, that's right. So he said, life will give you messages in different ways. First, it'll hit you with a feather. Then it'll hit you with a brick. And then it will hit you with a truck. Especially if you don't take notice. Well, you know, I actually found out that there's a stage four. And uh, quite by accident. And that was that I ignored the feather. I ignored the brick and the truck. And then it took a road train or a freight. A, freight train. You know, freight train. Um, you know, like a great big... Um, B-double. Yeah, um, whatever. Those big, 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 big trucks with, you know, 50, 50 trailers on the on the back of them. Um, that's what actually made me sit up and take notice. And that was when I was lying in the middle of the road, naked, confused, and pretty much looking like a roadkill. That is finally when I took notice. Um, so when I got depression, that was me. Um, being hit by the road train and the process of that laying there on on the middle of the road um gasping for breath and not knowing whether I still wanted to be here or not but what happened though is when you are stripped bare 
it gets rid of all the rubbish. But don't be afraid of starting over because here's the, here's the thing I want everyone to know. You never start with nothing. You can lose money. You can lose houses. You can lose cars and material possessions. But you never lose you. Everything that you need to get up and get started again is within you. And, I mean, we see that all the time. We see that with billionaires and millionaires that have gone broke and bankrupt and lost everything. And within a couple of years... Yeah, I mean, they're They're the, back again. They're the ones that the banks actually back because they have a track record of how to put together deals. Exactly. How to f- find the vendor financing or the... Um, they're backable. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. they've got the contacts. So the point is that, like, people say, oh, yeah, you, can't, you start with a clean slate. But they seem to gloss over the very fact that you have a slate. Yeah, you've got something to write you've on. Something you've got the foundation. On. You've got everything that you've taken up till then. And yes, it is traumatic and it's horrible to lose everything. And at the same time, you haven't exactly lost everything until you've lost yourself. So that's why we're such big advocates for looking after yourself, putting on your own oxygen mask on first. You know, um, without you, there is no everything else. Exactly. Yeah. So, in fact, when we talk about you start with a clean slate, you are your slate. slate. So never, ever undervalue that in your life. So when you are at rock bottom, when you are, you know, sitting there with your clean slate, you know, the past has decimated you and that sort of stuff. What you really need to do, and this is how I got out, out of depression, was you, you need to decide what you truly want and develop a plan to get it. So what I did, I had to sit there um, when I didn't drive into the tree that day. I had to sit there and work out, okay, am I invested in life or death? Yep, that was the first decision. And that was a huge thing. And that was really confronting. And that's something that I've done when I've been doing my healing work and mindset work with people who've got cancer and things like that. Because I'm not going to say that I heal cancer. No one does that. But um, what I'll say is that I, I help them get their mindset right around having cancer. And I'd say to, I'd ask them one simple question. Are you invested in life or death? And for many people, that was a huge wake-up call that more often than not, they were actually wanting death in some part of their life. So you shift the mindset back to them wanting to be alive. Yeah, wanting to engage in life. So then they seek out the right treatments, they, they stick to the protocols, and many of them beat cancer because of their mindset. They actually were invested in life, and that's that's a huge slap in the face to know you know like when someone says to you are you invested in life or death and they go which one do you think and I I want to know from you you tell me and then it was like a a great big you know bitter pill to swallow when they found out that they weren't invested in life and that was you have to come to that realization and sometimes we have to have these difficult conversations with ourselves you know, and that's that was when I asked myself, am I invested in life or death? And actually, you know what? I, d- despite everything and being so friggin' depressed and thinking I was a waste of space and everything, I was invested in life. <laughs> that was Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Lucky for me. <laughs> lucky for everyone. Apparently there is something that I suck at, and that is killing myself. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, I am human after all. So with... Um, with 
getting yourself out of those ashes. What you're doing is, you know, um, some of your experiences and expertise from our past are too great to leave there. So why would you? And that's something that we see a lot of people in, in coaching and mentoring people is that they say, oh, well, now now that I'm going to be a copywriter or now I'm going to be this or a business person or whatever, um, what do I do with the stuff from the past? And it's yeah, like, I'll just forget about that because it's yeah, got nothing to do with where I'm going now. It's irrelevant, but... There's always a way to spin it, and it's funny because, like, you and I have got a, a like vast, you know, history and an amazing uh, library of experiences and expertise. That why would you leave it in the past and forget about it? Yeah, it took so long to get to gain. Yeah, but it is totally transferable, and we call them transferable skills. You know, like because they do go from, you know, discipline to discipline, job to job, and all that sort of stuff. Because, like, looking at Ray, for example. You know, um, Ray was a sergeant in the army, um, amongst other things. But so she's got leadership, she's got teaching, she's great at systems, you're great at operations, logistics, logistics, banking, like financial stuff, you know, like um, bookkeeping and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, did we say self-discipline? Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, all right, self-discipline. Uh, what else have you got there, Ray? Um, I'm good at focus. Um, marksmanship, like marksmanship principles, mm-hmm. uh, transferable into um, photography and yep. and focusing on small, minute um, details. Yeah, yeah. And it also incorporates breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it does. Remembering to breathe, which is something I don't a lot. I'm getting better now that I'm older. I think I might take that on as my new hobby for the next 50 years is breathing. That'd be good. Very yep. good. So Bray's got a lot of transferable skills. Yeah, driving a truck. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually, put that into a, into the car situation. You're a solid, safe driver. Defensive driver. Maybe I should have done the same courses, but, you know, nurses don't need to drive, apparently. <laughs> and that's still, you know, that still um, is very evident in the way that I drive. Uh, <laughs> um, myself, you know, again, I've got the leadership abilities um, to be able to you know, to motivate and inspire people. Man management. Yeah. Yep. And woman management. That's yep. just, you know. Time optimization. Yeah. Skills. Um, effective communication. Because as an officer, you have to communicate. Uh, you get messages from above, orders from above, and then you have to transfer them to the, the diggers and the soldiers and Your officers patients. behind you, uh, below you. and uh, But you can't weasel out and say, oh, the boss said. You have to present them as though they're your orders because that's what a true leader does. Yep. Persuasion, persuasion skills. Yeah. Selling a suppository, as we spoke about earlier, to a patient. <laughs> yes. Say, yes. would you like one or two of those? Oh, I'll have two. You've, you've made them sound so freaking awesome, Pauline. Give me two. Yep. Two for one. Um, so, yeah, um, there's so many things that we've done in our past that now – as business women, coaches, mentors, speakers, podcasters, everything that we're doing now is all transferable as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And as a copywriter, you know, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I helped a, a guy to uh, develop a seminar. Um, he was just going to do webinars. And I said, why don't you actually like create a community? Why don't you get a group of people together, fill up a room, get some speakers and teach them the nuts and bolts like a um, sort of like an intensive weekend where 
people can um, learn how to do this business that you're telling them. They can all get together in the room, meet and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, that's a really good idea. And then so a couple of hours later he goes, I've got the venue. I went, so that means you've got the date. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, I've never planted such a big seed in such fertile soil. His mind is, he's such an action taker. So then I knew that I had to like act straight away. And I said, oh, by the way, I think you need to have a copywriter teach people how to write, you know, listings for their products. Um, I want to be that copywriter. And then he wrote back and said, I already had you down on the list. <laughs> so um, so when I actually got to that, uh, he said, but I want you to have, um, I want you to sell a product on, on how to write listings and, and um, a, you know, brief copywriting sort of things. So I created a quick course on copywriting. And then he said, I want you to sell it from stage. So there I am standing on stage. I've never really sold anything from stage. I did a little small thing, but it wasn't a proper like sell. And so I'm thinking, how do I actually even sell from the stage? And then I thought, hang a, hang on a second. You you sell every day in sales letters and in copy. On the page. How hard can it be? So all I did, I transferred the skills from my copywriting closing to speaking them out aloud in a room full of how many people were there? About a hundred, hundred and ten something people there. Anyway, so um, I went into my pitch and I converted what fifty three percent of the room. Yeah, which absolutely. was amazing. So that was pretty cool. Um, and by the way, the guy was very happy with the amount of money he made that day because we did the fifty fifty split. Um, for me, it wasn't about the money. It was actually more the fact of just having such a a valuable transferable skill. So I think sometimes what we do is when we think about things that we've done in the past and we think, oh, maybe that's not relevant, I think all we're doing is we we lack some sort of creativity to think outside the box, to think how else we can use this. Because like I I know um, shooting, like in the military, we were shooting and marksmen and things like that. I Like what you said, I use that for photography to be able to see targets and then lock on them, and then take a good photo. Yeah, especially with uh, moving dragonflies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Got to anticipate where they're going to land. Yep, and that's knowing the behaviour of of your subject and studying things. We do that with copywriting, but we did that as soldiers. We studied the enemy. We knew the environment. Observation skills. Yeah, so things that we've done in the past are totally transferable to the here and now. I don't understand when people say that they haven't got any skills or they haven't got any experience. If you're older than, like, two days old, you've got experience. And especially if you're in your 20s. And then this is one of the things people say, oh, you know, they disrespect people in their 20s or 30s because they don't have experience. No, no, they've got different experience to you. So don't – I never look down at other people. and You know, there's that saying, don't ever look down upon people unless you're actually helping them up. And that's my thing. When I was in the army, I I um I marched into a new unit, and I was given a group of soldiers. They were my soldiers for the year, and funnily enough, I had all the problem children. And when I was reading through the platoon commander notes, which is you know the notes from each each um, officer to another officer, like a handover, the the officer who had them before me. Often she'd say, this person is an oxygen thief. You know, they um, they just, I can't motivate them to do anything. And so 
I've got a different mentality than others. I I think that everyone has their own innate gifts and talents and abilities. You just have to, as an officer, it's my job to find what, what they're good at. So I'd actually sit down with the soldiers, give them an interview, and I'd say to them, you know, if you weren't in the army, what would you be doing? What is your dream job? You know, I'd be asking them, like, dream dream-related questions to get them outside to find out what they're actually good at. There was one soldier who actually really liked heavy metal music. And so on the weekends when we didn't have many patients and we had to do a lot of cleaning stuff, I said, bring in your um, CD disc, this was the olden days, bring in your CD player, work in your headphones and listen. But don't have it too loud because if I need you, I'll, I'll call out. He was so productive, Ray because I let him do something that he liked and that he was good at. And then later on, I found out that he was good at something else, and then I tapped into that. And you know what? These soldiers turned out to be fantastic performers. And in fact, a lot of them that were told that they would never be promoted made it all the way up to warrant officer in their army career. Yeah, that's, that's pretty pretty big things it's huge when you've when you're a, a private soldier being told by an officer that you're an oxygen thief but then someone just comes in and recognizes your previous abilities or your transferable skills that you might have had as a young kid and now let's do that let's um let's nurture that and then they just get that hope in their heart again to, to say okay yeah i can do this you know that that's huge but we need to do that to ourselves as well, not just to other people around us. And oh, that absolutely, I'm a I'm a huge one for that. But I'm getting better now that I'm 50. I'm just being <laughs> a better friend. That was one of my um, promises to myself: is to be a better friend, coach, ally, and you know, mentor to myself. Just bring out the best in myself instead of always focusing on you know the the big ugly boulders of crap. Because when I look back, they are actually only grain, grains of sand. They just do look bigger in that rearview mi- mirror. Um, so what, um, so the big rocks are important. You need to make sure that they don't weigh you down, position them, only pick out, only bring forward the big, big rocks and boulders that are going to help you build upon. Yeah. Just uh, in the interim, like limit your choices to say two or three. Yeah. Just so that you can actually, um, provide the focus and actually, give them the attention that they need to help you to take those steps moving forward. Yeah. If you have too many things that you're, you're focused on, you're not going to do anything. You're going to do a half-assed job. Yeah. So just limit it down to a couple of things each week or each month. Build yourself, th- um, give yourself the time to go through the learning curve till you get to that plateau mm-hmm. um, when you, your bandwidth is has readjusted and you're capable of taking something else on. Yeah, like you feel like you're at a, a suitable level of mastery like that, maybe conscious, conscious, conscious competence. competence. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Because you did that for me several years ago because I, I was a bit of a flibbity-gibbet and I, I'm i good at a lot of things and I like to do a lot of things. But right, and one thing that I wanted to do was do my doctorate in me- metaphysics and that was only going to take me a year to do, but um, at the time I was learning to do copywriting, I was still learning marketing, and there was a couple of other things that I was doing at the same time. And Ray said, whoa, calm the farm, Put sister. Put the brakes on. <laughs> Just woo back. Three things. You can concentrate on three things for the next year. 
and then that continued into another two to three years. I, I chose marketing, copywriting, and my healing stuff because I was still doing that at that stage. I wanted to be a really great um, teacher for the woo-woo stuff we were doing. And so I pursued that. And then a little while ago, I started to get into the jewelry wrapping, um, wire wrapping that I do now, and I got really good at that. And so now I've transitioned into now photography. Um, but usually there's only three things that I'm doing at once. And that's, I've found that focus good. At the time, I felt like Ray was basically cutting off my arms <laughs> because it's like, oh man, this is so restrictive. But I realized that I had, in prioritizing things, I was able to dedicate more time to the mastery of certain things than yeah. doing everything half-assed. Yeah, because you focus on picking the things that are really important to you and then because they are important to you, you dedicate the time to do more of it. Yeah, and this comes into something, this is so funny because um, uh, ever since I've, I've been out of the army, um, there's a saying that I say like when Ray is saying something, I go, yeah, and then we're just going to full five, six it. And she just laughs at me. And um, <laughs> now other people around me are starting to say they're going to four, five, six it. So I'm going to introduce the listeners to what four, five, sixing it is. Okay. In the army, when they're doing drill, and Ray was a drill sergeant, so she'll be able to take you through this a bit better than me, is um, when you're getting the formation, you go through it, Ray, when yeah. they're going through when, the formation. When you're setting up, a say, a platoon, so you've got three three ranks or Three lines. Three lines, okay. Civilianise it. Three lines of people. The first line is the line that all the people in the audience see. So mm -hmm. they're the ones that you want to ha be in a straight military formation. Yeah. So as a platoon um, sergeant, I'd come up to the side of the line mm -hmm. and they'd all be numbered. So we'd get them to right dress. It's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, so there could be like 20 people in that line. Yeah. Um, but I'd just focus on the, the first three. So I'd get the first person in the right spot mm -hmm. and then I'd dress the next person off so that they're in a line, mm -hmm. so they're not too far forward or too far so back. So it'd go like something like, number two, forward, forward steady. Ste yeah. Number two, back, steady. Yeah. Number three, forward, steady. Yep, that kind of thing. So you're aligning so get, get one, my, two, and three. Get my first three in alignment. Yep. And I go, that's perfect. And then I go, four, five, six, carry it on. And the rest of the little little diggers would just move forward autopilot. or autopilot mm -hmm. because they'd be looking to mm -hmm. their right to say, oh, am I in a line with the first three people? Yeah. And they'd get themselves in order. So really, I'm just focused on the first three. Yeah. And then everything and everyone else takes care of themselves because I've set it up that way. And that's why I love the saying four, five, six it because what I'm doing is I'm concentrating on the ones, the twos and the threes and then four, five, six takes it, takes it all takes by care itself. Of itself. You know, it just falls into alignment and it's, it's very, it's not much work to actually get those things into alignment or to get them sorted out. So that's one of the secrets that we actually you know, use in our day-to-day -day life to um, to prioritise um, things from the past, to work out what our big rocks are, um, what we're going to bring forward, what we're concentrating our skills and abilities on, um, because we know that once we have the one, the twos and the threes... Yeah, the foundation, right? Right. Then the four, five, sixes carry it on. 
they take care of themselves. So I hope that helps you listeners because that's something we don't often share with people and it's probably the first time we've ever shared it outside of our own little circle and my mentees. Um, some of them have heard that, but not all of them. So shh. <laughs> um, so what I was going to say is um, maybe a good idea is to um, why don't we get the listeners to think about what their one, twos and threes are. You know, write a list of what are the three things that you need to prioritize in your life. For what the next 12 months. For the next 12 months, six months or whatever, whatever works for you. And if you want to write into us, that would be fantastic and tell us what you've chosen and e- even give us a an update to tell us how it's going. So one of the things that I also did was that everyone knows that I escaped my past where I was stuck in depression and I like to help other people as well. So, Ray, it's... um. Anzac Day today, which in Australia that is um, we recognise the efforts of the Australian and the New Zealand Army Forces in a campaign uh, called Gallipoli, which was in the in Turkey in the First World War, and it was a absolute slaughter. And we don't celebrate Anzac Day; nor, we commemorate it. That's that's what we do. Yeah, we remember the fallen. Yeah, it's it's actually quite a solemn day in Australia, to be honest. It's um kind of up there with the the um, Veterans Day that the Americans have. Anyway, so what I like to do is I like to help people. Um, so what I do every Anzac Day is that I put up my book on Kindle, my um, From Depression's Darkness to the Light of Life. I have that on Kindle for free for twenty four hours. So if you're listening to this now on the 25th of April, 2019, go over to Kindle. You don't have to be a veteran. They're not going to check you at the, you know, they're not going to, they haven't got a list or anything or they're not going to check your medals at the door. Um, If you think my book could help you or anyone that you love or someone that you know um, to get themselves out of depression, please download the book for free. That's my gift to you. It's a way for me to give back to other people that have helped me it's my way to help veterans to know that they're not alone so ray's going to put the links on the show page and also you can go to fromdepressionsdarkness.com or check it out on straight, facebook straight to amazon yeah go straight to amazon and just um search for pauline longdon or from depression's darkness to the light of life you'll find it it's got a little black cover and it's a bit hideous but it stands out um oh it's been illustrated by you it's hand drawn (laughs) exactly exactly so um but there's a reason why that picture's on the front because actually when people see it they go that is exactly what depression was for me and i've had so many people say that so i'm not going to change the cover um okay so hopefully today's show has helped you to get some ideas about how you can get out of your past and make sure that your past doesn't define you and also doesn't confine you or undermine you because you don't need your past popping up like a pop-up screen you know when you're sitting there on your computer you know one of those you know pop-up ads and just annoying you we need to get our past in check so then we can four, five, six our future. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we we want our past to refine, help refine us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for lending us your eardrums. We appreciate it, and we will catch you on the next episode. Yeah.
Okay. See you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Come on over to BreakingThroughTheBS.com. That's BreakingThroughTheBS.com. And that's where you'll find all the episodes and all of the show notes. And remember, if you like the show, subscribe and leave a review. And let all your friends know about Breaking Through the BS. We'll catch you at the next show. Bye for now. Bye for now.